Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. Everybody, thank you for joining in on this week's episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. I want to start off the episode as I usually do by thanking everyone who tunes in and supports the show, uh, and to remind you guys that if you do want to become a partner of not only this show but the Katinas ministry in general, uh, the best way for you to do that is to visit thekatinas.com. Um, and you'll find a give button there on their website and you'll be able to become a financial partner with their ministry. So thank you in advance for doing that. Today's episode is a unique episode for me because I'm recording this on a Wednesday. And as most of you know, I do have a job where I work 40 hours a week. Um, But I'm lucky enough to where I only go into the office three days a week, two days a week, Wednesdays and Fridays, I work from home. And so I'm recording this right now on my lunch break for the first time ever. It's a lunch break podcast. And uh, so it's a unique environment for me. I'm usually you guys probably don't know this, but usually most of our episodes are recorded either on weekends or late at night, so it's dark in the room, but uh, there's lots of sunlight coming in, and uh, it's a a different perspective on the studio that I'm getting um, from normal, but the reason I'm recording on my lunch break is because today's guest is someone who I've been wanting to have on the show for quite some time now, and the way our schedules work out, it's tough for us to get together, and so lunch break today on Wednesday was the only time that that would work. And so he's making it work and I'm making it work. And I'm so thankful that he's here. Um, and I want to welcome my friend, a friend of the Katina family, Mr. Jeremy Williams. Jeremy, thank you for being here, man. Love to be here. Love to hear your voice and see your face. Oh, that means a lot coming from you, man. I, uh, I know a lot of our listeners have probably either heard your name or maybe even seen you on stage with the Katinas at one point. I, you were there at the uh, Katinas reunion a few months back, um, but some of them might not know who you are. And so I want to start off by giving you a chance to introduce yourself. And if you would just tell our listeners kind of how you came to meet the Katina family, my family, and, and what your relationship is with, with the Katinas. Well, first of all, I'm so grateful for the Katinas because my life is better uh, with the Katinas in it. Mm-hmm. There's no no doubt about that. I think everybody who meets and knows the Katinas feels uh, just a sense of joy and appreciation and, and love. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's tuning in, they know that. Like, you all get that. Mm, in fact, you. that's why you're tuning in <laughs> is because you've received something beautiful from the Katina family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, no, I'm no different. In fact, right now, uh, I serve as the Director of Training and Discipleship for Love Squared. I get to 
uh, be the primary trainer for the interns. I get to help shape the ministry uh, and I get to work with an incredible team. So that's a really practical way that I get to be involved with the Katinas. Um, and really, I came across your family. I'd heard of you. Lots of us had heard of you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, music, song, radio, like we knew who the Katinas were. Um, but I wound up in your kitchen. Uh, and wow. there was a Young Life Club going on. I, yeah. I used to be on Young Life staff before we moved to Franklin, Tennessee from, from Oregon. And uh, I didn't know all the ways that I might serve or what the Lord would have me do. And so uh, I decided to start with what I knew, which was Young Life. And yeah. I found out that the local Young Life Club was happening at the Katina's house. Wow. Uh, so I went into that Young Life Club and I was in the kitchen and I met your mom and dad. I met Joe and Lori and, of course... Uh, if you're Polynesian, everybody's family. Yeah. And so they had some, we had some mutual friends out of the Pacific Northwest, uh, David and Kelly Pritchard. And oh, wow. so before long, we were chatting in the in the kitchen about young life and family. And I said, uh, in the midst of 100 kids in their living room, uh, that's another picture of the Katinas, that they would jam 100 people in their living room. Those were and, good days. Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of jumping up and down, lots of moving floor, lots of loud music. And I said, where's your son? Uh, and they said, he's over there. And he was in the back of the room. And uh, Young Life is an amazing ministry, doing a great job. Yeah. Um, but Eli just hadn't had somebody he'd really connected to. And so when I saw Eli, the Lord just, it was like the Lord said, that guy is a leader. Mm. Uh, and when I found out that he had a great family, but nobody that was kind of one-on-one discipling him, that's when I reached out to your dad and said, hey, that big offensive lineman, uh, I just see leadership oozing out of him everywhere. And if he would want to go out to five guys, I'd love to take him out wow. to dinner. I, I'm sure that was a quick yes from Eli. He loves, to, <laughs> I know he loves five guys and uh, loves to eat. And I know he loves you, Jeremy. And so I, I want to thank you just for all that you've done for obviously my family, but also my brother. I think I've seen so much growth in him. Um, and I attribute a lot of that to his relationship with you. Um, but well, thank you for introducing yourself. And, uh, you know, as we, as we get into it more, I'm sure you'll, you'll get an idea of, of how the podcast works. Cause I know that you mentioned you've listened briefly to some of the episodes and I actually like it when I have guests that maybe aren't too familiar with the show, uh, because I like this, the, the episodes to be kind of really just conversational and you know our listeners know that it's not really a scripted thing or uh, something that I plan too much I, I try to prepare for my guests um, and hopefully people can tell I do but I don't have like a list of topics that I that yeah. I want to talk about or different quotes or word sound bites that I'm trying to get out I just want to talk with our guests because you know if you're sitting in that chair it means that uh one, I admire admire you, and two, that our family sees you as uh, someone who is an intricate part of, of what they do. And so the way that the podcast works is I have three questions for my guests. Uh, the first two questions are things that I'm more interested in, and then the third question is a little bit more about you. And so we'll get there when we get there, but I'll start with your first yeah. two questions. You ready? Hit me. Let's go. All right. So... I wanted to ask you this because now at this point in the life of the podcast, I think I've had three or four of your interns, Love Squared interns on the show, actually. And your name obviously comes up in those conversations with the interns. And I know that all of them, or at least most of them, 
in one way or another were influenced by you to, to say yes to the Love Squared internship. And so I wanted to ask you, when you're looking for an intern to come, you know, take part in the Love Squared internship, what is it that you're looking for? Um, what, I guess, qualities are you looking for in, in a person? Um, and then what is your hope for the interns? What do you hope that they can get out of it? Yeah. Oh, great question. Um, so we just say this, man, we're looking for hungry, young leaders, mm. 21 to 25 years old, mm. uh, leaders who have a heart for Jesus and a heart for kids and a heart for leadership. Those are kind of our three unique things. Like we are about Jesus, we're about leadership, and we're about going after high school kids. You know, that that is, that's where we're headed. Now, when I was a young leader myself in my 20s, um, I just remember how hard it was. I had energy, I had passion, uh, and at times I didn't have the mentor to walk alongside me whenever I hit the deep challenges that people face when you're involved in another's life, mm-hmm. in another person's life. And so uh, one of my passions has always been, how do we help hungry young leaders develop a godly foundation so they can be in this for the long haul? Mm-hmm. Because it is so costly like when we lose good people, especially young leaders, when we lose good people, it costs everybody. Mm. It costs kids. It costs partners. It costs that leader. And I, honestly, I think too often what happens is in wonderful organizations, they find great young people and they're so busy running their programs that the folks that are supervising or the folks that are directing say, hey, great job. Keep it up. Let me know if you need anything. Mm. And guess how long it is before they check in about needing anything. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes it's too late. And so for us, we're looking for hungry young leaders that know they, they don't have to want to do specifically, uh, they don't have to want to do a certain kind of ministry. You know, we don't care if it's church or fellowship of Christian athletes or young life, whatever, it doesn't matter. Are you reaching kids? Then we want to pour into you and give you a foundation so that you can keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and run this race for the long haul. Hmm. Um, because that's, that's what our world, that's absolutely what our world needs. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, especially thus far, and I'm not sure what the plans are for the future, but thus far, all of our interns have been young men. Um, and, you know, I have a heart for men, especially young men in today's world. Um, and I think it's so great and so important that there are young men that are being poured into by older, more wiser um experienced men, I guess, having that mentorship in their life. I think that's such an important thing and something that I think a lot of my peers and, 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 and young men who are, you know, maybe in high school or college age, they're lacking in their lives. And so if, if you had to ask me what my favorite part of the Love Squared internship is, it would be that, that there's um, that kind of passing of the torch that's happening. And so I think what you guys are doing is really great. And um, let me ask you this. With the, the, the Love Squared interns, in your opinion, so a lot of them travel from, they're, they're not from Franklin, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They're not even from the South. And so um, I want to ask, in your experience, what is um, one of the biggest challenges that you see interns face when they come here? Hmm. Boy, that's that's a good question. And you're right; we haven't had one intern from the South yet. In wow. fact, they've all they've all been West Coast. Yeah. Um, 
Well, here's, here's what I'll say. One of the biggest challenges they face that I'm also discovering is it's really hard to be uncomfortable. Hmm. And so to do what Jesus did takes an incredible amount of courage. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world that loves to invite people to comfort. And everything about what Jesus asks you to do pushes you out of your comfort zone. Hmm. Reaching out to kids that you've never met before, uh, reaching out to administrators, reaching out to parents, stepping into places that you don't know, being in a different culture. The, The South is a very different culture than the West Coast. Right. And so I think the hardest part for them is to go, how do I fit in and how do I deal with the fact that I'm uncomfortable all the time, mm-hmm. especially for the first few months? Because yeah. everything is new. And a lot of times those interns, despite the loving embrace of not only the Katinas and the cousins and the community, they realize I'm in a place that I've never been before and I'm going to be here for a year. Mm. And so I think their biggest challenge is to embrace that uh, that, that uncomfortable, hard challenge uh, is not only good, but they need to anticipate it and embrace it and step into it. Mm. Yeah. So that I would say that's that's the toughest part is they've they've left their whole family right. for a year. Right. Yeah, and I, I I recognize that and I acknowledge that with the interns and. Uh, I have a lot of respect for just the leap of faith that they all take yeah. to come here. Um, well, I guess this, that, that kind of leads into the second question that I want to ask you, because I, you know, you mentioned that to do what Jesus did, it, it takes a lot of courage. And I know that the foundation of Love Squared is Jesus-centered. And... Um, what you guys teach, not only the interns, but also the the high school kids who are, are a part of the weekly Love Squared meetings and things like that. It's all centered around Jesus. And this question that I'm going to ask you, it might sound kind of like a, why are you asking that kind of question or very like base level question, but I think it's an important thing for us to at least take time to think about. And so the question is this, why does Jesus matter? And why is it so important that, why do you see it as important that the interns or people who come to Love Squared, people who work for Love Squared, why is it important for what you all do to be centered around Jesus? Jesus is not only the most important person who's ever walked the earth, but I think why it's important is that what Jesus invites us to is living, active relationship. Mm. Jesus isn't just a philosophy that we follow. Jesus is living. Mm. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Trusting Jesus, I believe, is the answer to navigating every single thing that we face. Mm. You know, Hebrews 4 tells us this, that Jesus was tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Like there isn't anything, when we look at the life of Jesus and understand who Jesus is, there isn't anything that Jesus wasn't tempted with that we're not tempted with today. Hmm. And so when I look at how do you navigate every challenge that is coming at our world right now, um, when I look at that, you know who holds it all together? The left and the right, the Democrat and the Republican, every race, every bit of it at the center is Jesus. Hmm. And so... 
I just think, man, why do we need to know Jesus? Because Jesus is life, period. Everything else is going to let you down. Every religious system, every sense of, you know, we live in a world, I think, that is inviting us to so much uh, consumerism and consumption. You know, everything is saying you need to do more, have more, and be more to be fulfilled. And Jesus says, no, actually, you're enough as you are, mm-hmm. and I want to show you what real life looks like. Yeah. Wow, that's good. I, I want to ask this, because when I think about Jesus and when I am reading reading the Word and trying to know Him better, yeah. I, I find myself asking myself, what is it that what is it that maybe I'm overlooking or misunderstanding about who Jesus is? Mm. And I want to ask you in your opinion especially for the Christian community and yeah. the, the the Christian circles yeah. that we're in. What do you think is the most in, misunderstood part of who Jesus is? The most. I don't know if I could say the most. Um but I'll say this, I think that we we like to we like to camp out on a few theological principles. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is not a theological principle, he's a person. Mm-hmm. And so we can come up with a lot of things that Jesus represents and not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. We can read his Wikipedia page just like anybody else on the planet, and not really know him. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, man, Jesus the, Jesus is the gospel, and the gospel is a person. Mm-hmm. It's not a set of principles that we agree with. Yeah. And a person is someone we follow and engage with. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people nod their heads, but I don't know that they live in the pattern or rhythm of Jesus. Yeah, yeah that's, it, it, it sounds simple, but that is a profound thing to think about. I mean, Jesus got away often to a quiet place mm-hmm. to pray. Yeah. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the truth. And so, man, you know, I think of you in, in Matthew. He said, what do you want the disciples to do? He says, teach them everything, like pass on everything that I teach them to obey, everything I taught you and told you. Yeah. I don't think most of us know what Jesus said. Hmm. I think we've listened to a lot of sermons, yeah. and I think we've done a lot of Bible studies, and I think most of us don't know the real Jesus all mm-hmm. that well. We just know about Jesus. Yeah. But to know Jesus is to walk moment by moment, day by day. It's to follow the pattern of Jesus. Yeah. I think that, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting here, and this is just, this is just me, but... I find that I always think of Jesus. We always, I've grown up hearing Jesus is Lord, Jesus yeah. is King, which He is those things. Um, but I think sometimes I forget to think about the human side of Jesus. And I love that you said Jesus isn't a theological principle, He's a person. Yeah. And there's so much that goes into being a human being and being a person. It's messy yeah. and, um, it gets there's a lot of things that get tangled up when it comes to being a human, yeah. but Jesus faced all of that, and He faced it perfectly. And I think that it's hard for me to remember that. And when I'm thinking, I think it's a comforting thing to remember that Jesus was 
human, as human as I am, as human as you are. Um, and, you know, I hope that our listeners, hopefully that strikes a chord with our listeners the way it struck a chord, strikes a chord with me. But, um, well, I could talk about Jesus with you for a long time if you wanted to, Jeremy. Oh, man, I would love to talk about Jesus for a long time. I mean, <clears throat> I, that there's no doubt in my mind that who Jesus is um, is the answer to so much mm. of what we're dealing with. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure he'll come up more in our in our conversation. Well, and what if we just think like, do I talk like Jesus talks? Hmm. Do I know what Jesus said? Do I think like Jesus thinks? Like if I want to be a disciple of Jesus, I need to think about how did he talk? How did he think? How did he move? How yeah. did he act? And when I look at my own life, does it look, sound, act? And do I think the way Jesus would think? Dallas Willard like to say, do I think the way Jesus would think if he were me? Hmm. Because Jesus has given me my personality. He's given me my color. He's given me my mind. He's given all of it. So um, how would Jesus think if he were in my skin? Not that I am Jesus. Yeah. Uh, not at all. But if Jesus is within me, Right. then I want to live as if Jesus would live if he had my personality. Wow. How, when you ask yourself that question, how do you know if you're, if you're hitting the target? How do you know? Yeah. One of the things I do is, I honestly, I just have to study again and again and again the Gospels and know how Jesus spoke. Mm -hmm. I know that I have to stop often and give God enough time so that the thoughts I'm thinking, as much as I can tell, are sounding more like what he might say in a situation rather than what I might say in yeah. a situation. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think number one is I just need to know his words, not just know the stories about him, but really know, like, what did he say? Yeah. No, I, I think it's just one of those things that's easier said than done. And Spend and a lifetime trying to get totally, there. and we're going to yeah. fail over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, but Jesus said, you know, like, hey, in me you'll have peace, and yeah. I'm sending you my Spirit. You know, and I'll provide for you uh, in every way. Yeah. So that's good. Um, well, I guess we'll. Those are your first two questions. Um, okay, and we'll move on to the third one and. Uh, I spoke with you a little bit before we started recording on, about this third question, but this question is really the heart of the podcast, and it's intentionally open-ended because I like for the guests to feel free to talk about whatever they want to talk about, and so I'll just ask the question and you answer it however you want to. What's going on at home, Jeremy? Well, I have four children. I've been married for 21 years Wow! <clears throat> to my beautiful wife, Araya Sunshine. She's incredible. My oldest daughter, Gracelyn, is 15 years old, and she's a sophomore at Centennial High School. I have a 13-year-old, 8th grade daughter at Legacy Middle School. I have a 12-year-old, 7th grade daughter at Legacy Middle School. And I have a 7-year-old, 2nd grader named Tekoa, and he is at Winstead Elementary School. Wow. So. I, life is very, very full. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> in fact, man, you say what? Uh, we're, we, as we talked about Jesus, you know, what's going on at home? Man, every year I get away for at least a half a day minimum to be quiet and listen to Jesus for what he might want to say to me about my next year. And the the two things that I felt like uh, the Lord said to me going into this school year were, one, you're exhausted, hmm. and two, don't say yes to anything you don't have to say yes to. Hmm. And <clears throat> the exhaustion wasn't bad, but like what's going on at home is, man, we had four kids in sports for the first time, and my wife was doing some traveling more than usual, and I was doing some traveling, and we got to the end of our spring and our summer, and we just looked at each other and said, um, we're not in a bad place, but I was like, we can't do that again. Yeah. Like if we, if we want to live the story with our family that we want to live, we can't do that again. And so what's going on at home is she said no to some traveling opportunities. She's an American Sign Language interpreter, and she's, her mission is making the best Jesus stuff accessible to the deaf and hard of hearing community. Mm. Uh, it's an unbelievable mission. She's crazy gifted at it. Um, and has more opportunities to do things than she can say yes to. And mm. so for us, home has been saying yes to each other and saying yes to our family has meant saying no to really good opportunities, which I think is, that's the challenge for a lot of us. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying no to some other addiction. I'm not saying no to crack, you know, I'm <laughs> saying no to like, really like my crack might be <laughs> to go speak at another ministry event, you yeah. know, that, that. And, and like the Lord has just said, no, I want you to be present at home. Uh, and so I've said no to some, some traveling. I just said, I'm not going to do it. And so we've got four kids in sports right now. Wow. Life is full. And I feel like uh, one of the things that the Lord has put on my heart for home is to do with my, make sure that I do with my own kids what I do with not only Love Squared interns, um, but I lead a lot of uh, solitude and prayer retreats for business folks and entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, so I like to say I clear space between them and Jesus so they can get what they can only get from Jesus. Mm. Uh, a lot of people say, man, I'd love to take some extended time away. Like it would be good for me to not just have, you know, 10 minutes of my utmost for his highest before I run out the door or five minutes or just praying on the way to work. All those are really good, really yeah. important, but sometimes we need more. Yeah. And so how am I clearing space for my kids to get from Jesus what they can only get from Jesus? Uh, that's kind of the mission that I'm on right now, besides wanting to crush it with Love Squared and, again, lead lead retreats that help people get connected to God. Um, but that's part of what's going on at home. Yeah. It's full, very, very full. Well, I, I think I can relate to that, being busy, being exhausted. Um, I, I love that you brought up how you take time at least once a year to just be quiet. Um, and listen to what the Lord has for you. Um, could you explain to me, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to get away and be quiet? Yeah. What yeah. is that? Yeah, you bet. And I don't just do it once a year. So uh -huh. I, I lead retreats on a regular basis. But um, in Luke 5, 16, it says, Jesus, this is right after he, he healed a man and massive crowds. And it says, Jesus got away often to a quiet place mm. to pray. Um, and <clears throat> I don't think I knew how important that was. Uh, actually I'll, I'll, I'll go back again. Um, what, would you ask that question again? Yeah. So what does it mean? Yeah. What, yeah. like on a practical level, yeah. even 
what are you doing when you're getting away and and going to a quiet place? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So for me, getting away and going to a quiet place, first of all, I'll say it it started here. I had a mentor in my life when I was in college that looked at me and he said, I know you. Uh, And if you don't get away for some extended quiet, you will lose who you are in the middle of the ministry. And I wasn't to the point where I had lost it, but I knew I was in danger. And he used to go, he was a pastor and he, every Monday he would go away for a half a day to this local Abbey, this Mount Angel Abbey. And it was this beautiful spot that would be up on a hill and overlook this farmland. And he would go away for a half a day of prayer, reading, solitude, quiet, listening. And so I started doing that every two to three weeks. And I just knew that it was absolutely vital for me personally in my, and and if I was going to be having, I call it what, if I'm going to have an internal life that can support my external vision for ministry and family, I needed to care for that internal life. Mm. So for me, I take my journal, I take my Bible, I have a specific devotional that I bring out there with me. Uh, I find a quiet place for me. I really like a view. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what the view is. Water would be my preference, ocean or lake. Um, water would be my preference. We're in Tennessee, so I don't have a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. um, but I need some nature and I need a place for quiet and I'm going to be in the Gospels and I'm going to bring some specific reading. Uh, I actually just did a, an overnight last week. And for me, Josh, it's it's such an important spiritual discipline for me. So I, I think of it this way. Um, practically in our life, like how long can we go without food? Uh, if I had to guess, like, like maybe a week. I'm, it's a lot shorter for me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe really a couple hours. To, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't no, know. Literally, your, your body can survive 30, 40 days without food. Oh, like wow. your body okay. can survive. And let's be honest, you and I might be able to go 50, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. um, but do you know how long your body can survive without water? I'm going to guess it's shorter than that. About three days. Okay. Three days without water and you're in big time trouble. Hmm. And so oftentimes I think of maybe some different spiritual rhythms. Some people say spiritual disciplines, rhythms. I mean, come on, we've all had some discipline. I I played football. Mm -hmm. You know, you do things you don't always necessarily feel like doing them in the moment, but you know that doing those is going to allow you to be who you want to be for the game Mm -hmm. or for the people that you love. And so this is a spiritual rhythm or discipline that is like water for me. So for me, uh, I just know that if I don't get away for extended quiet, uh, it's going to sneak up on me and I'm going to be spiritually dehydrated in a hurry. Mm -hmm. So last week I went out, I found a place 45 minutes from here. It's called Henry Horton State Park and they have lodge rooms. It's like a hotel room. And honest, I, I booked a room out there. Uh, the day of, I wanted to cancel, Josh. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just go, no, I, I wanted to rationalize, like, ah, I'm going to stay home with my family tonight. Yeah. Uh, no, we'll play some family games. But I knew, the Lord said, you have to get away. And I don't think we know what we're missing until we do it. We don't realize oftentimes how spiritually dehydrated we are until we get there. So I turn off my phone. Um, I have my Bible. I have my journal. The first thing I do is I get down on my knees uh for 10 minutes. And I just take 10 minutes and go palms up and pray for my time mm. and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm here for you. Uh, and I call it palms up. Palm, see, when I go palms up, the Lord can take from me whatever I'm carrying that I shouldn't be. And mm. he can give to me whatever he wants to give me. Mm. But oftentimes if I don't stop long enough to go palms up, I'm going white knuckled and I'm just grabbing, I'm grabbing at life. And, uh, 
when I'm grabbing, the Lord can't take what he wants to take and mm. give what he wants to give. And so uh, at least every two months, I do a full overnight time away because I know it's like water. Wow. And I will be spiritually dehydrated and not be the dad or director of training or friend or leader that I want to be if I don't do that. Whether I feel like doing it or not it has nothing to do with whether I need it or with something's going good or bad. It's just, no, this is a rhythm that's vital to my soul. Yeah. Wow. That's good. I think I could probably use that every couple of months as well. <laughs> Well, um, and I actually lead those for men. So wow. every 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 six to eight weeks, I set up a half a day retreat for, actually, I can do them for men and women both. But right mm -hmm. here in Franklin, I do no more than 12 guys. So on, on September 23rd, we've got 12 guys that will meet out on a farm. I provide some guidance and some structure and create a space for them to go out and have some solitude by mm -hmm. themselves and listen to the Lord. I prepare a devotional. Uh, we come back and share a little bit. Uh, I send them out again. We come back and have lunch, and I send them on their way. And wow. uh, so it's one. It's a it's a joy because it's been such a vital practice for me, and I've gotten so much out of it to prepare those for other people as well. That's awesome. Um, I want to go into your life as a dad, mm. and you you mentioned <clears throat> that all four of your kids are in sports right now. And sports actually comes up on the show a lot because I grew up playing sports. I was in a sports family. Um, and I would like love to ask you, having your kids play sports, why is it like, why is that something that you want your kids to do? Is that just something they want to do? Yeah. Or is it something that you're hoping for them to do? What yeah. is What yeah. do you see the value in? Or where do you find value in sports, especially for kids? Yeah. The value of sports, well, it all depends on, man, how do I want to talk about sports? So I, I let's start here. Um, I was a sports guy my whole life. Uh, football, played football in high school, played football in college. I coached high school football for 14 years uh, before we moved here. I was never a head coach. I was, a, I was an assistant coach. But... Um, I think there's something about sports that hopefully allows you to have an experience with a group of teammates that helps you understand how to overcome adversity, mm -hmm. how to maintain loyalty when things are hard, how to celebrate. Um, I think if done well, sports can be a place where I grow and my purpose is to do the best I possibly can and have fun and push myself and winning is always more fun than losing right <laughs> i mean it just it just is mm -hmm. i've been on really bad teams like oh and nine <laughs> and i got to coach as a staff part of two teams that we were state champions and mm -hmm. so i mean i've i've been a part of all of it um and, but there's something special about that unique time in your life uh that uh, i'm a football guy football in particular yeah. uh everybody has a chance to be a part. Everybody has a chance to be part of the team um, and to give yourself to something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I think it's that. I think it's learning to push yourself beyond the barriers that you think you have. Yeah. I think sports is a great spot to do that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would also agree that winning is much better than losing. <laughs> I will say, though, <clears throat> you know, obviously I'm not, I didn't grow up to be a professional athlete yeah. at, like I dreamed of. Um, but I was also on 
some really good teams and some really bad teams. And I think those years, those teams that I was on that we were losing a lot, I think I learned a lot and it helped me develop as a person a lot. And even though it's just youth sports, it really like in the grand scheme of things, winning and losing in 10 year old baseball doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, But it mattered a lot to me then. And when we were losing, I feel like that's when I was growing. Yeah. And I want to ask you, do you, with your kids, when they're playing sports, I'm sure they've been on good teams and they've been on bad teams. What lessons do you see your kids learning when they lose? Well, I'll tell this story. I think it's a, I think it's a fun one. Um, So my son, Takoa, Takoa's seven, he's playing his first year of flag football and they picked him to be quarterback and he's a pretty good leader. I I don't know if he'll, he'll probably hear this someday and and laugh, (laughs) Um, but he's, he's quarterback. And actually, I'm a linebacker, so I don't really like quarterbacks, but I thought he'd be a pretty good quarterback. And I was kind of secretly hoping that his coach would put him at that spot. I thought, no, I think he'd be a good leader. He likes to, he wants other people to thrive. And so anyway, I've purposely stayed away from practice, everything. I was like, I'm not going to coach right now. I'm just Mm going to let him do his thing. Uh, And I went to his first game on Saturday and there he is at quarterback. And man, he, he was doing a good job. Hey, are you ready? Are you ready? He's making sure all the, everybody's out there for their like their first game ever yeah. playing anything in flag football. And so they did a few runs, and then all of a sudden it was third and long, and so uh, it was going to be a pass. And Takoa drops back and throws the ball, <laughs> and it's it was a pick six <laughs> interception, six points going back the other way. Mm. Uh, they come back out pretty soon. It's third and long. Throw the ball. His second pass ever. Pick six going back the wow. other way. <laughs> uh, and then I think his third pass was an interception too. Wow. And he ended up he ended up completing a couple of passes. But honestly, here was one of the most fun things is to not even talk about that. Um, and that he didn't realize like, oh yeah, that's kind of one of the things you don't ever want to have happen as a quarterback. But I love that, you know, he knew that it wasn't good, but there was no sense of it defining him mm. or ruining the rest of his day. Mm. And so, man, I think, I'll tell you what, well, here's one of the lessons right now that I'm, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I'll just say one of my kids really struggles with their coach. And I've heard a lot of complaining. And just recently, I just said, I don't want to hear it anymore. Mm. Your whole life, you are going to have, you're going to have a boss, you're going to have a coach, you're going to have a teacher, you're going to have somebody um, who really rubs you the wrong way, who makes it difficult, you know, and I think we all do the best we can with what we've got. Mm. And we know what we know. Like that's part of what we do in ministry. Like we want to expose people maybe to a different way of thinking about developing leaders. Well, coaches only know what they've experienced. Mm. And I would say that was me, my playing and my playing experience. Um, I knew certain ways of coaching. And then when I started coaching, after I was done playing, I came across a coach that was unbelievable. We won two state championships. He had more wins than any coach in the history of the state. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's doing things a different way that I didn't know existed. And so anyway, coming back to my daughter, you know, going, uh, coaches only know what they know Mm -hmm. and they do the best. People do the best they can with what they've got. And sometimes it's not very good. And we had this conversation. She goes, dad, I don't even want to talk to you about sports. And I said, look, here's the deal. (laughs) 
you complaining about your coach? I said, who wins? Mm. Who gets better because we started complaining about how our coach was acting? And she goes, nobody. (laughs) I said, exactly. So I know you don't like to hear it, but I'm going to remind you that you're responsible for you. Is that not one of the great lessons that we yeah. have is that we're going to put in, be put in positions where people have leadership over us that we don't like. They may not be healthy people. They may not, that, but they don't know a different way. They're doing the best they can with what we've got. And we have to decide, how am I going to respond? Yeah. Regardless of how anybody else on this team responds, what am I going to do? Where And I would say this, where am I going to go with the Lord in this? What kind of person do I want to be? What yeah. kind of story do I want to tell? Mm-hmm. Um do I want to get the team together and just start griping about it and everybody say, yeah, yeah, yeah? I said it feels better in the moment, but everybody loses in the long run when they yeah. do that. So that, That's so good. I think just – I've told this story before, but, you know, I was I grew up as a baseball player. I played all the sports, but baseball was yeah. my thing. And I remember some, some of those bad teams that I was on, especially when I was younger. One of the lessons that I learned was that I'm one of nine batters. I can't bat <laughs> yeah. for all my teammates. Yeah. And if I was one of the better hitters, it, then it was frustrating to me when I'd see my teammates go up and strike out. Yeah. But I had to learn that's just part of not only the game, but life. Everyone has to bat. And I can't bat for somebody else. Yeah. And I was always thankful when I was one of maybe the young kid who couldn't hit yeah. the... Those the older pitchers, I was glad I had teammates who could hit, yeah, um, yeah. and make up for my my three strikeouts per game. But I'll um, I'll finish with one more question, and I like to ask my guests this. I don't ask all of them, but um, I'm interested to hear your answer. And I ask this because dreaming is something that I'm passionate about. Dreaming for myself and dreaming for others but i want to just ask you jeremy today in your life what are you dreaming about i'm dreaming about what it means to reach kids all over the world (laughs) um and especially all over our country i get to travel a decent amount in every single every single place i I fly into every town I drive through, I think about schools and churches and I wonder who's reaching them. Mm. Who's going after these kids? How are they doing? Like, do they feel like they're effective? Do they feel like they have what they need, what, what they need to do it well to be in it for the long haul? Because that changes family trees and, and changing family trees changes everything. Mm. So I would just say every place I go, I dream about what's it look like to reach kids at that school? What's it look like to empower local churches and Young Life and FCA and do it through Love Squared where we're training up leaders that know, they know why they do what they do. Uh, Scripturally, they know they have tools and resources so that they know how to walk onto a campus or walk into a kid's life and know what to do. They know how to train others. You know, one of our goals with the you know, one of my goals with the uh, intern training program is that every single intern would leave here and they would be able to tell you in the moment from memory on a napkin why they do what they do, how they do what they do, and they could take you to do it. Hmm. That's what we want ever because I know if they can do that, they can pass it on to somebody else. And we've got some principles that I think they work everywhere. They work across gender. They work across uh, race. They work across ethnicity. They work across programs. I call it the mortar and the bricks. And so what I think about is 
adults who love Jesus and love kids walking into their world, stepping into the world out of an overflow of courage that comes only from Jesus, doing it in teams and watching kids' lives change Mm. all over the country. Wow. This is kind of uh, the same question, but worded differently. But let me ask you this. If you knew it was impossible to fail, what would you go out and do? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's funny that you asked that question because moving from Oregon, where I grew up my entire life, uh, and my wife as well, before we moved here and we were we were just asking the Lord, like, we think we're supposed to leave home, which was the Northwest. And we think we're supposed to go where we know people. Um, like Jesus didn't send people out alone. He sent them out together. Mm-hmm. And we were having a hard time nailing down a place, a location. Like, Lord, where is it? Where's this location uh, that's outside the Northwest and yet has people? And I remember right before we, we banked on Nashville, I asked my wife, I said, honey, I said, if we could, if we could, if you could pick it, and you were guaranteed success, what mm-hmm. would you pick? And she just goes, Nashville, hmm. you know? Um, and that that's how we got here. So I huh. love that you're throwing that, that question back at me. Um, I think if I could pick it and I was guaranteed success, um, it's, it's really like a training center. Hmm. So I'm not a, I'm not a one, like, I'm not a, like, just pick your one thing. I'm not a, just pick your one thing guy. I need to have about three things going um, and that's, that's part of who I am, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it would be, a, it would be like a ministry training center. Mm. And so it would have multiple avenues that, you know, for example, churches or, uh, Young Life or FCA, if they wanted some supplemental training that gives solid principles that are going to undergird and make what they're already doing stronger, mm-hmm. that we'd have a training center that you could send people to us and then we're going to send them right back. Like, I don't want to keep them. I want them to go out and I want those leaders to go, I know where to go. I know how to go. I know scripturally why I do it. And I know how to train others to do it. Mm. Um, that's what I'd be doing. It would be like the outreach training center. And so they're doing outreach in cities all across the country and we're giving them in reach, you know, so an inner life that can support that outer vision and they're getting after it and going after kids all over the country. That's what I'd, that's what I'd be doing. That's awesome. Well, I love asking. That you ready to, to write a check? You want to start the <laughs> yeah. outreach training center right yeah, now? Let's me. go, Josh. Let's go. Well, uh, I, I say this to people, and it's it's for you as well as it is for me. But I love to encourage people to keep dreaming, and to remember, you know, no matter how big you're dreaming, it's not big enough. You yeah. can always dream bigger. Yeah. So, Amen. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. I know that your schedule's crazy, my schedule's crazy, and so I'm so glad we got to do this and. Um, maybe in five years we'll, we'll do it again and we'll do it at your training center. That'd be awesome. I love it. Let's yeah. do it. Let's have, can we, let's not, which training center? Because since we're going to have multiple uh, training centers. Is there, is there going to be one in Hawaii? That one sounds nice. Uh, that's kind of a no brainer <laughs> right there. Yeah. We'll do it in the, in the Hawaii one. I love it. I love it. I'll take time with you anytime, buddy. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. For those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.